day. And thanks for checking in on the latest on what's going on at Journey Church. Our prayer is that today's teaching will inspire you and ultimately draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus. So no matter what you're doing, relax and enjoy this next message. Good to see each and every one of you here. Why don't you take a second, say hi to the person to your right, and say, you are so good looking, and look at the person on your left and say, eh, not so much, not so much, but you can still, you can still stick around. It's good, it's good. Yeah, welcome to Journey. My name is Ryan, and it's a, it's a privilege just to hang out with you for the next couple of moments as we just look into the Lord's Word to see what's going on. There's no better place to be than in the house of the Lord. Amen? It's a good day. It's a good day, and we got a lot of good things going on. Uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you. You could have been spending your time in a lot of different places. It's Maybe. good. I, uh, uh, I remember this time that, uh, that, I, had this, that I had this friend, and he, we, he was talking to me a little bit, and he goes, you know, he goes, I, I went to the Holy Land one time. And he says, it was amazing. And he goes, and I took my mother-in-law and my wife with me. And I said, that's awesome. How did it go? And he says, well, he goes, uh, not, 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 so, not so well, not so much. And I said, okay. So well, tell me a little bit about it. And he says, well, you know, you know with, with Palm Sunday and the resurrection, we thought it'd be awesome to go, go to the Holy Land and see where Jesus walked and talked and all those things. He says, but while we're over there, he goes, you know, my mother-in-law passed away. I was like, oh, my goodness. I was like, that's, that's awful. And he, I was like, what'd you do? He says, well, he goes, while we were there, he goes, in order to, 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 to you know, the barrier there, was only going to be 300 bucks, but, but to send her back to the States was going to be like 7000 I was like, oh, well, I was like, obviously he, uh, you know, you buried her there. And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, I'm pretty sure about 2,000 years ago, somebody rose again from the dead over here. He goes, so we shipped her back to the States just to make sure. <laughs> uh, that is, <laughs> I'm so glad that you guys are here. Listen, what a, what a, what a wonderful day. What a, I mean, this is, this is the sole reason of why we're here. Like, the re, every Sunday while you come here is for this moment, and, and we celebrate it today. And, you know, we're talking about, you know, the journey to Easter. Where did the journey start? Sometimes we ask ourselves, where did the journey of Easter start? Did it start during Christmas when Jesus was born? Did it start, uh, you know, only in the New Testament? Did it start when he began his three-year ministry, you know, between 30 and 33, give or take a little bit? You know, when did the journey to Easter really begin? And I'm happy to share with you that the, that, that the journey to Easter started all the way back in the Old Testament. And at the moment, and we've been talking about the Garden of Eden a little bit, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the Garden of Eden, that there's this moment where Adam and Eve said, hey, listen, we sinned. And then we looked at this verse about how God sent them out, how he banished them, which is a really hard kind of concept to wrap your head around because, you know, you think to yourself, well, where's the forgiveness in that? Where's the grace? The church says grace. You know, we, we preach and teach the things of Jesus Christ, but, you know, one, one bad move, one, one drop of the ball, and, and we're banished forever. And as we looked at these verses, we recognized that the word banished really means sent, almost sent in the same way as it is in John 3, 16, that God sent his son into the world. And there's a reason what was happening is that the journey to Easter started when God banished and sent Adam and Eve out because ultimately the plan after that was for them to return back to him to perfection. And you can't do that without a sacrifice. You can't do that without atonement. And so there began the play that there was going to one day need to be a savior. There was one day going to need to be a sacrifice that was sufficient, that would satisfy God's wrath in order for us to have the opportunity to know him as our personal Lord and Savior. And we've talked about what it means about Jesus to be our Lord. He's the Lord of your life or he's Lord of none of your life. We've also talked about what it means to be, you know, for him to be our Savior. So as we investigate a little bit today, we talk about the journey to Easter. And I'm so excited to share this next point with you that as we are on our journey to Easter 
You may today be sitting in your chair and say, well, you know, I've accepted Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I know the difference. That's awesome. Maybe you're here today and you got drugged out of obligation. Cultural obligation. Mom and dad was like, hey, you got to put that suit on. I've already, been, um, I've already been scolded for not wearing a suit today. So, you know, for whatever reason, maybe, maybe you're here. Maybe you're here and you're just like, I'm here. But you are here. And I want to let you know that whether you know him or not, there can be another, in, another one in the fire with you. It just doesn't stop when you say, okay, Lord, I confess with my mouth that you are Savior, that you are risen, that you are King, and now life will be grand. It will have its ups and downs. It will have its highs and its valleys, its lows. And the thing is, is that when there is another one in the fire, as believers today, can we remember the words of that song? Can we remember what Scripture says when there is another one with you in times of absolute terrible times? Anyone ever been through a tough time? Absolutely. Anyone been falsely accused? Absolutely. Everyone been slandered? Absolutely. We're going to look at some people today who have been on the journey throughout the Bible and where Jesus has supernaturally came in and said, though I have not, ar- I have not arrived, I have not come yet in the New Testament, I am still very much God. I'm still very much of the Trinity. I'm still very much another one in the fire with you, and I will be with you. It's so much more than just salvation. It's about this time here, this journey on earth. You have a story, and your story is important, and I want you to know that today. No matter where you are, where you've been, it doesn't matter. It's all about where you're going, and that's what God's concerned about. That's how the church can love you. That's how you can love your brothers and sisters. You know, Jesus came for three reasons, and sometimes we just only remember that he was our substitute. But he actually came to debunk a lot of myths about who God was. You know, we had this idea that, you know, God was just this very angry tyrant who was just kind of like throwing darts at us every time we were bad. And Jesus says, that's not, he's your father, he's your daddy. And then he says, and now I'm going to teach you how to love one another because it's really easy to be offended. It's really easy to slander. It's really easy to do a lot of things to somebody else and not treat them the way that Jesus has come. And then and only then is he our substitute where he shows truth and he shows grace. And so we're going to be looking in, you know, I want to I show you that God is more than just what we make of him sometimes. Like Jesus is our companion. He's our friend. He's our provider. He's our healer. You need those things sometimes in the fire. You need those things sometimes when you're up against opposition, where the odds are against you. You need another one in the fire, and that is your journey. And as we'll look from the beginning of the journey to Easter, right, it's so much more than just a couple of years of Jesus doing miracles and healing and raising from the dead. It's so much more. He's been there from the beginning, and I want to share that with you. I want to share the best news you'll ever hear in your life, and it's Romans 5, 9. Out of the New Living Testament, New Living Translation, and since we have been made right, right? What happens is, is when you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you're now officially enough to stand before God someday. Through Jesus, you are justified. You are enough. Now, your sanctification, your journey, how you need to come closer to the Lord, how you need to draw closer to Jesus in relationship, that's a different matter. But you are now right enough to be in the presence of God. And since we have been made right, we are justified in God's sight by the blood of Christ He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. That's the best news you'll ever hear. Let me tell you, sometimes we forget our priorities. When we remember that this is the best news that we've ever heard, we remember that it's more exciting than what money can bring you. It's more exciting than the house you dream of. It's more exciting than the car that you wish that you could have. It's more excited of anything that you could ever want. When you realize that this is the best news, that Jesus Christ came for you, your priorities in life will become aligned. And the volume, the very, very loud volume of noise in your life will be turned down instantly. Because you'll remember what your purpose is here. And we've been talking about apologetics. And if you haven't caught that series, you can go on our podcast and catch that. But it answers a lot of really good questions like, why are we here? What do we do while we're here? What is our mission? What is our vision? What is our purpose? 
But here's the thing. The reason, this is the, ba- re- the reason this is the best news, the greatest news of all time, is because sin is very real, and it's very out there, and it corrupts, perverts, distorts, and absolutely destroys. We are in need of this good news today. So we go on to Romans 6.23. The reason we have to hear this news, the reason why this news is so amazing it's because the wages, the reason, the, what we've done with our lives, we, the humanity we were born into, the reason for that, the wage of that is sin, and that is death. And we have to have something. So if you're here today, and you're just kind of going through your life, you're just kind of going through this journey, and you're not really sure what your purpose or direction, what you value, what you don't, you're going to be lost. And as long as you're lost, you're disappointed. And people are going to constantly fail you. Let me tell you something. People, the good and, 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 and the not so good, are going to constantly fail you intentionally or unintentionally. That's why you worship Jesus today. That's why you worship a risen Savior, because everything in this world will fail you with or without your permission. Your spouse will fail you. Your church will fail you. Your friends will fail you. Your family will fail you, but Jesus will never fail you. And you have to remember that, and that's why it's the greatest news of all time, is that Jesus, the one thing, why we align, what we value, what we prioritize, our morals, our ethics, everything revolves around the center of who Jesus is and what he did for us. But the journey started so much earlier, and along the way, we have these amazing testimonies, these amazing stories of Jesus coming in and supernaturally being present, and we wanted to look at those a little little bit today, because I believe one of these stories will resonate with you. I believe no matter where you are in your journey, whether you're in a high or you're in a valley, right? Whether on a hill, a mountain, everything's great, or you're on a valley. I believe one of these stories will relate to you, and I want you to hear them. Let's start with this. I love the story of, of, of Saul to Paul. I love this. So as you're writing notes, as you're taking notes a little bit today, I want you to resonate with the story of Paul. And here's what God wants first from you before anything else is he wants your attention and he will go at great lengths to get it however the problem is sometimes is that when the holy spirit begins to speak to us if we push him aside and we kind of suffocate it and we drown out the noise of the holy spirit's voice eventually there won't be any noise so if the lord is pressing on your heart today if he's been working on you for a while that's great because that means that he is not done with you but I challenge you today that as you're, as you're listening, as you're learning, as you're reading, that if you haven't heard the presence or the anointing or, or the voice of the Holy Spirit for a while, then I challenge you to say to yourself, what am I doing or what am I, how am I living that may not be reflective of who my Lord and Savior is? And so Paul is here. Our story today is that the Lord wants your attention because, most importantly, he wants you. So let's look at Acts 9, 1 through 6. And the New Living Translation this is what's beautiful. Meanwhile, now you got to remember a little bit about Saul, okay? Saul, before he was Paul, loved killing Christians. It was his job. It was his, it was his nine to five, and he was, not only was he passionate about it, but he was incredibly good at it. And he would travel at great distances. And as we're going to see here, before there was the word Christianity, right? Before there was the Christianity, actually what Jesus left behind, the church was called the way which is really cool. And that's, that's what Christianity was called. So as we look at this a little bit, it says, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats, right? He's always throwing threats. Maybe you have felt threatened today. Maybe, maybe you're living a life of where your reaction to everything is just threats. Well, if you do this to me, I'm going to do this to you. Saul was uttering threats with every breath, and he was eager. Oh, he was eager. He was excited to kill the Lord's followers, right? So he went to the high priest. He requested letters He goes, share with me the letters that churches are writing to one another so that I can go and intercept them 
so that I know where they are at, so that I can have a warrant for their arrest and, and bring them back in chains. That's what he's interested in doing. He requested letters to address the synagogues in Damascus. That's where he wanted to go. Asking for their cooperation. He's actually calling ahead, if you will, in the arrest of any followers of the way, which is what the church was called at the time. And Peter pretty much founded the first church. The way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. And as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from the heaven suddenly shone around him. And he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And here's, here, here's the most interesting part of this story, right? Maybe, maybe you know what happens, maybe, maybe you don't. But right now, he says, who are you? And then he says, Lord. He knows. He's known in his spirit for a while that what he's doing and how he's living is wrong. And he's going about his business and he's on his own journey, he's on his own life. And he's probably not happy, but he's excited for what he does. He's passionate about what he does. And still, we can be passionate and excited about things of life and we can be sinning. And if we're sinning in our passion, if we're sinning in our lifestyle, if we're sinning in the, in the things that make us who we are and what we're deciding to be, we'll slowly walk away from the Lord. But all in our minds, in the back of our minds, we will always know that Jesus is there and that we will always know the truth. And I think some of us today know that the truth has been there for quite some time. I believe that the Lord's been maybe working on your spirit for quite some time saying, I want you to come home. Because sometimes when God calls our attention, we say, oh, how could this be happening to us? I can't believe this happened to me. I can't believe this happened to my family. I can't believe, I can't believe. Um, Lord, are you, are you there? And he knows in the back of his head what's going on. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And I like that because when you look at Saul's name, it really doesn't mean a whole lot. It doesn't really mean something cool. It just means that something to ask for, something to ask for. But when he turns to Paul, when the Lord converts him, when, when the prophet converts his name later and says, you know, this is your new life now, and now you're going to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ, and he changes his name to Paul, right, which means humble humility. I believe today that no matter where you are in your life, that no matter how old or young or where you've been or what you're doing or the decisions that you're making right now, whether you know that they're right or wrong, I believe that the Lord wants to get your attention and I believe he wants to change your life for the best forever. And you have to do that by accepting Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And just like Paul, maybe some of us are Saul's, but we're walking through. And even in the midst, even though Jesus had came and died and rose again, he's still very present in this situation. He's very present in Paul's life, maybe you're here and you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I have been so, I, I maybe, maybe feel you like you've been excommunicated from the church, which is not the case, okay? Maybe you've been hurt by the church. Maybe you've been hurt by a lot of people. Maybe you feel like you can't go back to the Lord. And yet I want to encourage you today that he's very much wanting you. He's very much wanting to get a hold of your attention. And he will do so. Why? Because he loves you first. And even when all things sound terrible, even maybe you feel like you're in the right and your journey is going, if the Lord comes to you, and grabs your attention, the first thing we ought to do is say, Lord, what can I do? If, is what I'm doing, is how I'm living the way you would have me? Am I fulfilling the purpose of what you have in my life? Sometimes we just get super busy, and we lose focus what's going on. And then we get into really tough situations, and we need another one in the fire, and Jesus is very much there. I love the story of Jacob. Jacob needed courage. Maybe you're in need of courage today. 
maybe, just maybe you have everything you thought you need. You know, Tris and I, we've had the opportunity to pastor in different states and different uh, ministries, and I can tell you that each state is incredibly unique to the community. And we were pastoring in a place where it was really hard to minister because everybody felt like they had everything and that they didn't need anything. They certainly didn't need church, and they certainly didn't need Jesus. And so here you have Jacob, and he's meeting his brother, right? He's meeting his brother because there's been a, a birthright that's been stolen, right? The promise, the inheritance, right? You get, you get the inheritance. You get to be judge of your family. You get everything. You get to be the ruler and authority. But yet he's meeting up with his brother, and so he's, he's plotting. He's scheming on how he can survive his brother because his brother, in his eyes, he is going to kill Jacob. And so he moves his entire family over the river at night, and he comes back. And you know what he's thinking. He says, I need another one in the fire. I need some salvation. I need some redemption. And lo and behold, he's sleeping. He's, he's laying there in the dark by himself. And somebody from heaven comes looking like the Son of God and begins to wrestle with him until daybreak. As we look here, it says, this left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. And when the man saw that he would not win the match, right, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of his socket. Then the man said, let me go, for dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Maybe you do know Jesus today. Maybe you do understand what it means. Also, though, maybe you're in a tough situation where you need answers, and you're wrestling. I'm here to encourage you today that Jesus is very much present in your life, and to keep wrestling, and to keep working, and to keep praying, and to keep asking, and ask profusively. Ask over your children for protection. Ask over your finance. Ask over your, your, your house. Ask over your job, whatever the case may be. But maybe, just maybe, you're in Jacob's situation where everything's kind of going by the wayside, and you need some courage. And unless you get some courage, you don't know what's going to happen. And this is exactly what's happening. He is there wrestling with the Son of God in the middle of the night, and he's saying, if you don't give me what I ask for, I will wrestle you, and I will not let you go. Is there any moment where God was not able to overpower, overpower Jacob? Of course not. That's not the moral of the story. That, that's, not, that, that's not the testimony. The testimony is this, that he made Jacob wrestle him so that he could touch him on his hip, so that Jacob would walk with a limp forever, reminding himself of what it cost him, what it took to get that courage. And it was then, and only then, that when he was, he was reassured and he believed once again that the Lord is very much with him and that he got his priorities all aligned and his morals and ethics and his values, that he went to meet his, his brother the next day who he still thought was going to kill him, right? Just because Jacob had this moment with God doesn't necessarily mean that the next day was going to be pleasant. He still thought he was going to go to Esau and die and fight. And he's over there pleading. And then that's when the Lord really steps in and says, and Esau comes and embraces Jacob and says, I love you. I don't want any death. I forgive you for all that you've done and all your family's sake. Maybe you're wrestling for some courage today. Maybe you know Jesus. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you're wrestling for courage. Maybe you need another one in the fire. And I'm telling you, without Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you'll wrestle forever and you'll wrestle with yourself and you will lose. And you will be very, very, very disappointed. I love that story. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name, the man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel, because you have fought with God and with men and have won. I love that these stories have conversions. Even Jacob at this point knew who 
you know, worshiped God, loved God very much so, and yet still had a journey ahead of him to be converted into something so much more. I want to, I want to inspire you with hope this morning. True hope, blessed hope, is found in Jesus. And we talked last week, the difference between hope and wishful thinking is wishful thinking is everything that you, that you want to have happen, but it has nothing to do with Jesus. If you're wanting a new job, if you're wanting new friends, if you're wanting restoration within your family, if you're wanting this, if you're wanting that, but you haven't got on your hands and knees and fasted and prayed and said, Lord, is, first of all, is this right with you? Is this for me? That hurts sometimes because be careful what you pray for. A lot of the times we'll say, is this for me? And Jesus will come back and say, it is not. However, by the same token, though, wrestle for that answer. Wrestle for courage, especially if you're in need. And I believe that the Lord in your journey will begin to convert you to be the person that you've been called to be. Sometimes we accept this lie that, like, we haven't been called to be leaders. Each and every one of you sitting here today has been called a leader to a certain extent. You've been placed in a situation that nobody else has been placed in. Whether it's your job or you're the spouse or you're the father, you're the mother, whatever the case may be, God has placed you in a spot to shine and to be glorious through his marvelous light. I challenge you to be courageous because courage makes you driven. It makes you audacious. It makes you focused. It makes you incredibly fearless. You can't do those things. You cannot go into this dark, twisted world and be successful without the promises of Jesus Christ. You'll be working on your own. And you'll be disappointed all the time. All the time. You know, I think one thing that comes with uh, being a believer or, you know, or not, depending on, you know, uh, what your life is like. I just, I, I, I think it's safe to say that everybody in this room, probably at one point or another, has been falsely accused of something. And I think as you see stories of people that are being converted, or the people that are journey, or people who are drawing closer to Jesus, I, there, there's these moments where people and communities will falsely accuse other people because your name is all that you have sometimes. And so I, I, lo I love the story of the fiery furnace. We know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but that was, that was their Babylonian names, right? Their Hebrew names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And here they are. They've been falsely accused. They're being oppressed. They're being abused. The rug has been taken out from underneath them. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you've been sitting in a place in your life at some point, and the rug has been taken out from underneath your feet, and you, what you thought is no longer there. And you're asking yourself, dear God, you are the only one to ever have risen from the grave. You are the, you are the Messiah, you are a deliverer, you are a redeemer. But yet, here I am in this earth, in this world, where are you? You say to come to you, so I come to you. You say to wrestle for courage, so I do. But yet, and Jesus never says, hey, listen, this life is going to be easy. This life is nothing but a blink compared to eternity. It is so important to remember why we are here and what to do. So we look in Daniel 3, verse 8, and I, I love how some of this is getting pointed out. Here you got these three believers, and they're loving God, and they will not bow to the peer pressures in the culture of their community. And therefore, says in Daniel 3.8, therefore at that time certain Chaldeans came forward, and hear this, and maliciously accused the Jews. They were accused, and I don't think it was just like, hey, I'm going to write this email real fast. I just don't think this person's really working out. Let's go ahead and let them go send. I don't think it was all that at all. I, I, I think it was rumors that they made up, and they slandered their name, and they, and, they, and they made up these stories that was not true at all. And they said, because of this, and then the boiling point was, okay, now listen, we've played the music during the day. The statue is out there. We made a law that you have to bow to the statue, and now that there is so much garbage and dirt on these three people that we know that they will not bow, and when they don't bow, that'll be, that'll be the final straw. 
and people are going to come at you. The closer you draw to Jesus, the more you may be oppressed. And you may be saying to yourself, that sounds awful. But I'll tell you this as a believer, if you're not ruffling the feathers a little bit and you're not being a little a bit oppressed by this world, you're not doing your job. Jesus is looking for wonderful, colorful, obnoxious believers to go out there and spread, the, and spread the word and spread the gospel and to be a kingdom builder. Please, I'm begging you today, as, as, as your pastor, maybe you've never met me before, when you go out of this community, man, be a, be a vessel for Jesus Christ. Be a kingdom builder. Because we have no guaranteed time here on this earth. And we'd hate to think that we played it all safe. We were faithful in our church. We were faithful in our giving. We said hi to everybody, and then we died, and nobody came to our funeral. Because nobody knew what we really stood for, and it was all for nothing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter, because God's law is higher than the land. Now, don't take that out of context, right? You can't go to work and say, God told me to show up late today because I was tired. <laughs> right? But God says to have no other gods before him, and they knew that. No need to answer you in this matter. King, you know what's already up, and you know why we're doing this. But if you want me to humor you, I will. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Do you have that audacious courage? Do you have that where you say, I know beyond a shadow of doubt who I am in Jesus Christ and what I believe, and I don't care what anybody says. Yes, it's biblically based. It's not, it's not some weird stuff. You know who you are in Jesus. Would you be that? firm is saying, hey, listen, do what you got to do. My God's bigger than yours. And, you know, they had to go into the situation knowing that maybe, just maybe, God wasn't going to show up. That this was it. That is the ultimate definition of faith, if you ask me. Knowing, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that whether he does what you want in your time or he does it differently. Because really, remember, the ultimate the ultimate thing for these three was to once again be in the presence of God, and that is through death. So they knew that they might be going home. And if God willed it, right? I don't mean like the Crusades where they say, God wills it, right? But if God wanted to show up, he was going to do it. If, 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 if he was not done with them yet, or he could bring them home, which would be amazing. Do we have that kind of courage? Do we have that kind of faith? Do we really know who we are? When we really say and come to church and we say, Jesus is rose again from the grave, and I love that. I love the, rede the, I love the redemption. I love the justification. I love the grace. I love the sanctification. I love salvation. Do you really know what you're talking about? Or is it just a really, really fun thing to post on your Facebook and your social media and your Instagram and your Twitter and all these other kind of things? Do you really know? Could you, could you explain it? I think that's why I've been loving our series Apologetics because it's really been testing us. Do we know what we believe? And so they're thrown in because the law of God supersedes the law of the land, and they knew that. And it goes on to say, did we not cast, here's the king, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they answered and said to the king, true, O king, he answered, he said, what an awkward moment for those people. Did you not throw three in there? Yep, we did. I see four. And maybe today... You need to be reminded that because our king rose again from the grave, that you do have another person in the fire with you. That you do have another person holding back the waters. That you Listen, 
when you go through the journey of life, you have to remember that Jesus has already gone before you and tackled your problems for you. So by the time that they get to you, Jesus has already uh, approached it and assessed it and dealt with it. And that whole verse that we rip out of context about Jesus will never give you more than you can handle, that's not what it says because that's not true. Jesus gives you more than you can handle all the time because if it wasn't more than you can handle, you would never grow and you would never stretch and you'd never draw closer to Jesus. And he's asked you to do just that, to be a leader, to draw closer to him. So he's going to give you more things than you can handle, but they're just enough and it's only going to be enough through the sufficiency of Jesus Christ and his blood. I'm telling you, there's so much more. I hate to say the words, there's so much more than salvation, but you get so many wonderful, beautiful things other than just spending eternity with heaven. You get to be here now and to have a relationship with him and to understand him. There's another in the fire, and I love that. He said, lo, I see four men, loose, walking, and other translations says dancing, which I'd be dancing too because I'd be so relieved that I'm not dead, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. They're not on fire, and that form of the fourth is like the Son of God. You know, that brings us, that brings us to the ultimate story, the best news of all time. What is all these conversions? What is all this worth? What does this, all this mean? You have Paul who was the worst of the worst, the worst. There was nothing really worse than Paul. He loved murdering God's children, okay, right? So no matter what your life is, there was hope for Paul. Maybe you need that conversion today. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're wrestling and you're struggling for courage because you're saying to yourself, I have, in fact, Maybe, kind of. I'm not really sure now. <laughs> I thought I came, I came to church thinking I was a Christian. I'm going to leave having no idea what I believe, right? But maybe you're here today and you're wrestling for courage. Maybe you're wrestling for your family. Maybe you're wrestling for your job. Maybe you're wrestling for your mortgage. Maybe you're wrestling and God says, I will be that fourth man with you. I will be that person. When you wrestle with me, this will be the greatest wrestling moment of your life because you're going to walk away with courage and only Jesus can truly give you that. Ban went to join me. I want to share with you Jesus and salvation. Here's the most important thing today. Not only does God want you, not only does God love you, God wants to save you. And here's the best part. Only Christ and what he did can, in fact, save you. 